wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I have Morgan Nicole, and Morgan is from Fort Worth, Texas. She is an avid outdoors woman who loves the outdoors. I am a full-time content creator. I love sharing my life with everyone, but definitely there's those moments when you're hunting that you just have to soak it all up. I think growing up, I heard a quote, something like, less Xboxes, more tackle boxes. I was like, yeah, let's go, love it. (laughs) Anytime we get a second away to hunt and fish, we're there and those memories, even in the truck going to hunting camp, you know, walking into the turkey woods, hearing them gobble, I mean, from start to finish. And once we learn those huge life lessons that hunting and fishing teaches us, those are things that our kids and generations and generations will carry on in their hearts forever. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have Morgan Nicole. And Morgan is from Fort Worth, Texas. And she is an avid outdoors woman who loves the outdoors. Morgan, thanks for being on. Steven, thank you so much for having me. This is a blessing. I get to be a part of such a special episode here. Yeah, so this is episode 52 for all of our listeners um, that have been following along with us through this process and journey. Thank you. This is our one year, the, the end, the culmination of year one of Hunting Day. So for all of you all that are listening, thank you. And we really appreciate it. And Morgan, we thank you for being on. Anytime, anytime. Absolutely. So Morgan, you're originally from Fort Worth area, and uh, you were telling me that you are a little further south now, but you're still in Texas. And Well, I guess you can't go any further south without being in Texas, but uh, so you're in the what I like to call like the most beautiful area of Texas, and you're right there by the hill country, and we just got back from a turkey hunt down there, and we had a blast, and I think anytime we go to Texas, we all have a good time, and so tell us what it's like to grow up in Texas and to be able to hunt and fish Texas. I think it's truly been one of the most incredible things, honestly, to ever happen to me is to be blessed to to live in my home state of Texas. I grew up hunting a lot in East Texas. Um, I'm actually a fourth generation hunter in my family, but I would definitely say the first female. Um, not only, you know, a female who enjoys hunting, but actually hunts and fishes year round and loves it with a passion and lives that lifestyle. But I started off, um, East Texas, did a lot of upland hunting up there, had some incredible opportunities, which I'm sure we'll jump into later. Um, and now living out towards the Whitney area, like you said, it's one of the most beautiful places in Texas and I'm very blessed to be out here. That's awesome. So you did some upland hunting and I love that because up in Pennsylvania, I had a uh, roommate who has a English setter and a Brittany and he actually bred the two. And he, his uh, puppy, he calls her a better. And uh, I love it. But uh, they are some hunting dogs. And we get on the pheasants and chuckers. And uh, he uh, he really, he he is diehard into upland hunting. And his name's Chad. And he follows the woodcock migration all over the U.S. with them. And, uh, I mean, he's just ate up with it. And I love it. But what, uh, 
what type of birds do y'all normally hunt as far as upland there in east texas we uh have quail pheasant um occasional chuckards here and there when i first started growing up hunting um i grew up hunting with my dad of course that's really how i started to find my love and passion for it but once we were up in east texas i had an incredible opportunity to meet a gentleman uh, named mike mize and he was i want to say one maybe out of 68 like level three skeet shooters i mean he was top tier and i actually worked with him Oof, probably three or four days out of the week for about a year when I was 12. And that really set the fundamentals of, you know, my skeet shooting, quail, duck, pheasant. I mean, you name it, anything with a shotgun. Mike Mize helped me out there for sure. That's awesome. So now that you're in the Whitney area, what's uh, what do you typically like to hunt in that area? So we... We're based out of Whitney. We do a lot of striper fishing here. Uh, My boyfriend, Clay Richters, he's a guide on Lake Whitney. He's with Guaranteed Guide Service, one of the largest freshwater charters in Texas. So we fish here in Whitney, and then we travel all over for our whitetail and duck hunting. We do a lot of hunting in like central, kind of west Texas, of course, south. Um, But really central to west is where we spend the majority of our time from turkeys, varmint, ducks, love me a good mallard or a widget. Um, so yeah, we're kind of all over. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I'm really partial to the hill country myself. Um, I worked out in Midland, Odessa, that West Texas area, and it has a beauty to its own. I, I know a lot of people that I worked with that they weren't a fan of it, and I, I can understand why, but I think there's everything that God has created has value. And, uh, you know, I hunted like true Southwest Texas of Presidio and, uh, Oh, I think it was Candelara. And, uh, we all dad hunted out there in the mountains and it's just desert, just very similar desert in Midland. It's not the Hills. It's really flat, but, um, I gotta say, I love the hill country the most, and uh, I haven't done the panhandle yet, so I don't know if you've hunted the panhandle much or not, but you maybe you have, and if you have, I'd love to hear about it. done much hunting up there, but I can definitely agree with you on the West Texas part of, we find it one of the most beautiful places, but there's a lot of people who aren't too fond of dry and cactus everywhere and thorn briars, but... I mean, we're down there. A lot of what we do in West is whitetail hunting. And I mean, the terrain is awesome. But just like you said, it doesn't matter what part um, of Texas you're in, that truly when you're outdoors and you're enjoying God's creation, that's really when you create those best memories. I think something that really drew me to the outdoors was I feel the most connected to the Lord when I'm out there. The further away from the cell phone towers, where I hear him the clearest. So definitely that. And then another thing is just making those memories with your family and your friends. Um, Often when you go to hunting camp, you know, you're typically around people that you know pretty well. And if a friend of a friend brought someone new, that really kindles a great friendship. But the memories are what's going to last us a lifetime. Yes, absolutely. That's what we're trying to instill into our kids. And, you know, I think the electronics, they have their part and they have their place. But the more that we can unplug out of that life and plug into the outdoors, 
or find the balance. And I don't, I don't think we've ever found that yet. And we're, we're searching it. And I think one day we'll find it. Um, but to get our kids, you know, we, we homeschool. We, so we have the flexibility to just on my days off, pick up and go wherever we want and give them an education that not that I'm knocking anything that's there's, I think there's a lot of things wrong with public education, but at the same time, I think there's still plenty of good in it, but we want to be the ones who educate our children and to show them what and why and where, and we get to dictate all of that. And so when we're out in the outdoors, we try to limit any type of tablets or cell phones or anything. And that goes for me in April as well. And, you know, we've, at first it was a little bit of a struggle for the kids, but the more that they're out and the more they're involved, it's becoming a lot easier. And they actually look forward. It's funny because Texas for us is to Cinco Canyon where we were hunting in Fredericksburg was basically 22 hours of driving. And, uh, with three kids, it took us about 26, I believe it was 27. And we drove it almost straight through a few stops here and there, but all in one shot. And the kids, they did great. I think me and April were probably ready to get out way before they were, but they were ready to go hunting. And that, I just, I love that. I love that they are, you know, it's not, I'm taking them. It's, they want to go. And, um, I think that it's only going to get better. And, um, definitely. And so that, I think that really tied in well with what you're saying, like you're making memories with your family. And then anytime someone new gets invited to camp, it's a like-minded person. And so that friendship, it almost starts immediately and then just builds from there. Yes, I completely agree. I I love to hear that your kids are getting more and more excited as they keep going and definitely leaving, you know, the the iPads and the phones and all that to the side. I think for me, I always struggle with that balance because I am a full-time content creator. I love sharing my life with everyone, but definitely there's those moments when you're hunting that you just have to soak it all up. And I think growing up, I heard a quote, something like, less Xboxes, more tackle boxes. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Love it. I, I love that. Um, but yes. Yeah. That's a quote that will forever stick with me. But like you said, you know, you spend countless hours in the truck and for us, you know, anytime we get a second away to hunt and fish, we're there and, you know, thank you Lord that we get to do, do it you know, alongside work now, but those memories, even in the truck going to hunt and camp, you know, walking into the turkey woods, hearing them gobble, I mean, from start to finish and going back to that generational thing, you know, like I said, I'm fourth generation, but the sad and bittersweet part is generations will come and go. And, you know, I wish I could hunt with my grandpa, you know, who's no longer here anymore. And, you know, days are limited with dad, you know, but I think once we learn those huge life lessons that hunting and fishing teaches us, those are things that our kids and generations and generations will carry on in their hearts forever and just spreading it more, you know, through generations and just to society, really, you know, I wish a lot more people would come to find their love and passion for the outdoors, but I'm a firm believer we'll all get there one day. Absolutely. 
And, uh, you know, I've said it in the past, like once people find the outdoors, very few people, I think, turn away from it. Um, I've got a lot of friends from the city and, you know, once they get immersed into the outdoors, it's like a whole new world has opened up to them. And, you know, I've got friends with different political beliefs and different religious beliefs, but there's a lot of times we find common ground in the outdoors and, um, it's not, which is nice because it's not a red versus blue type of scenario all the time. I mean, even though the media wants us to be that way, I mean, they try to split, I think the country every day, but, and, and that's a topic for a different time, I believe. But, um, it's once you're in the outdoors, I feel like you're here to stay. And I could be wrong. I grew up in the outdoors. Um, so I love to hear stories of people who didn't and how they got there. And, uh, you're a fourth generation, um, hunter. i I'm as well. And, uh, it's really cool because now Ava's a fifth generation. Zoe's a fifth generation and Declan, he's a fifth generation. And, you know, honestly, I, I, I didn't worry about Declan, but he didn't take to it like the girls did. And Zoe, she saw Ava hunting when she had to go stay at the hotel or at the lodge and she wanted to be with us. And so she got a drive for it way earlier than Ava ever did. And Zoe killed her first deer at three years old. She was a few months from turning four, but I mean, she was, I think two months from turning four, but yeah, three years old, she killed her first whitetail and it's been the snowball effect ever since. And Declan, he's a, he's a mama's boy. So it didn't bother him that dad had the girls and we were hunting. And, uh, but now he killed his first two deer at three years old this past, uh, Oh, I guess it was two months ago when we were down in Fredericksburg again. And he's, uh, he was a little upset that it wasn't deer season when we were down there turkey hunting. So I'm, (laughs) it's exciting to see him coming in. And I mean, he's only three years old. He's got the rest of his life ahead of him to, to hunt and find his passion. And, you know, as much as I hope hunting and fishing in the outdoors are all three of my kids' passion. If it's not, it's not the end of the world either. You know, I try to not force anything on them and let them kind of come into it, but I think they're ate up with it like I am. (laughs) Yes. You know, man, talking about, you know, the bug that, that people get when they first start hunting, it really is such a great time to bond with somebody, whether it's family or a new friend, because it almost, you know, once you're outdoors, it almost forces you to get real. You know, you're away from the city life, you're away from all of that. And so it's really just a great way for new friendships to form and especially with family. And like you mentioned, you have a lot of friends from the city who are just starting to get into it. That's something that I always encourage my followers. And I've had a handful of females actually who have kept up with me for years and they just went on their first duck hunt, you know, whether that was by themselves, whether it's with their new fiance. Um, But that's something that I really love is to see people who don't have that background to, to jump into it. And I think as more time goes on, the accessibility actually gets better for new newcomers. Like I said, my boyfriend, he's a hunting and fishing guide from everything. Quail, um, he does hogs, 
whitetail, striper, catfish, and then I even have a group of girls where I go hunting with them five times a year, a group of 20 of us girls, all female hunt. And that's a great way to get connected to that's called sisterhood of the hunt. But there's so many avenues if you've never done it to jump in and it's never too late. That's awesome. Sisterhood of the hunt. I like that. And it's something I think that, um, that probably breaks down a lot of walls for females who want to go hunting and, um, that don't necessarily like to be around guys that they don't know, especially in a hunting camp scenario. And I had, uh, Felicia Marie on a few months back. She's part of women of the wild and they do very similar scenarios where they get a bunch of women and even younger kids together and do it in a very relaxed, um, I don't want to say non-masculine, but basically it's a, it's a the, the ladies get together and have fun and do what ladies do, but they're hunting. And so they don't have the pressure of being around guys and even their boyfriends or husbands around. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. I think being a female in the outdoors world, you know, I'd grow up going to hunting camp. I'd be the only one. I'd be the only kid there Two, I'd be the only female there. Yep. And it's definitely an intimidating thing as a female to enter into it. Um, and that's when you just have to, you know, put your big girl pants on and decide, you know what, I'm here to stay. And I think something that is honestly, hunting is really one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. And not to mention when you're, you know, hunting somewhere and you're keeping up with the guys and you're, you know, you're having a good season, but that's probably one of the best feelings for sure. Oh yeah. Me and April, we're pretty competitive about it. And she's, I want to say a little more competitive than me. And when we, when she first started hunting, um, I can't wait. She hasn't been on my podcast yet and she's, I, it's hard to explain why, but she's, she doesn't think anybody wants to listen to her. Right. But she has probably one of the most unique introductions to hunting because she didn't grow up hunting. And uh, we got married and she thought that I would quit hunting and it was not the case. And, you know, I kind of got that ultimatum and at the end of year one or, you know, in the first year of our marriage. And I was like, look, if you want to spend more time with me, come hunting with me. This doesn't have to be a me thing. It can be an us thing. And so she was a very good high school athletic uh, in sports. She did really good. She competed at the state level and she medaled in different events and track and field and very athletic, very competitive. And so she got into bow hunting. And so I started teaching her archery. Well, eventually, and by eventually like a very few days into it, she already knew more than I did type of deal. And so me and her, when we would go to the archery range, there would be more arguments than, you know, or competitions than, you know, I don't, we've never fought, but she was, she got competitive to the point where I was like, all right, you go do your thing and I'm going to go over here and do my <laughs> thing. And, uh, but she's, and she, but she, she excelled at archery and that's one of her favorite ways of hunting. And, you know, I, we go to Texas or we, you know, anywhere we go. And she's like, I want to take my bow. And I'm like, I'm taking the rifle <laughs> because I really want to come home with something. It's well, uh-huh. I'm either, I take the rifle or I take my spear and, uh, I'm, <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's awesome. So for the, 
Yeah. So for our listeners that can't see, um, I'm actually in my, my studio. This is the first time recording in my in-home studio and uh, that I've set up strictly for this podcast. And over my right shoulder, I have my Oryx that I killed at Cinco Canyon last year. And I threw a spear at this, well, not at this one specifically, but I threw a spear and missed. And I got so frustrated, I picked up my 300 win mag and put a stalk on this guy and got it done. But over my left shoulder, I have a giant Watusi skull. I speared a Watusi two months ago down in Ozona. And uh, that was my first spear kill. And uh, I've missed plenty. And so... That I had to go big. I was like, all right, what's a big animal that I can spear? And a Watusi was one of them. And uh, so I say that to say that my eight-year-old Ava, um, 10 minutes later, speared a Persian Ibex. And that's about, you know, a tenth the size of my Watusi. And she's like, that wasn't so hard. What took you so long? And I'm like, daggone. <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow. What a story. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think Clay and I definitely relate to uh that couple's competitiveness for sure i remember last christmas or maybe it was the one before kind of around november december time we were stalking some pigs and you know at that point when you're hunting pigs like that and you're stalking you're walking miles and i don't know about y'all when i'm hunting i get hangry i have to have some sort of snack on me but I was getting hangry. He was getting frustrated. We're getting competitive. I'm like, listen, you know, you go do your thing. I'm heading in the opposite direction. Like, I cannot be near you right now. Like, you're driving me nuts. And so I started walking back the other direction, stumbled upon a deer stand, sat down. I had my uh, 243 that I hadn't shot that particular 243 in probably like two or three years. I had no clue if it was on or not. I'm sitting there just trying to cool off (laughs) and here comes this massive, I mean, massive bobcat. And he uh, comes around the base of this hill and right as he hits the brush, I say a quick little prayer and send a bullet towards him. And that 243 was dead on. And that bobcat, I'm 5'5", five five and I held it up kind of like a you know mountain lion pose. I'll have to show you all that picture one day. But I held it up like a mountain lion pose, and it went all the way down to my feet. It was one massive bobcat. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely can relate to that competitiveness for sure. That, that's a great story because one, that is a huge bobcat, but two, it's, you know, the, I can relate, uh, especially to the hangry part and it's, yeah, that's me and April. We're, we're that way. I can think of a turkey hunt we did in Colorado and she had killed a, a turkey with her bow, um, previously here in Virginia and, you know, we're out there and I've got the shotgun because it's my turn to hunt and, you know, I, if I remember right, she was telling me all the things I was doing wrong about turkey hunting. And I'm like, oh, here we go. You you killed yours. Now you're going to tell me how to turkey hunt. And we made it through. I killed a turkey and it was great. But it was one of those things where hunting can test the relationship. It really can. But I think in a good way, because it never got malicious or ugly in, in any aspect. But it can definitely, especially those drives to and from. 
and then throw in three little kids with you. And, uh, the, <gasps> yes. So typically going to Texas isn't bad, but it's always coming back from Texas when everybody's wore out for us. And yeah, so we, uh, we made it back in one piece this time. So we're, uh, we're good. <laughs> love to hear that one time clay and i were leaving utah on a like seven or ten day i think it was around seven day mountain lion hunt and i remember we got in the truck i don't think we spoke for the first four to five hours of that trip like every gas station got out shut the door he knew to get the gas went in to get my food five hours not one word (laughs) But I think something like you said, you know, yeah, sometimes it could test you, but ultimately it's all in good heart and, and fun. And it definitely is such a teachable, coachable lesson when you're hunting. And I know Clay and I are working every day towards our dreams of just continuing to pursue the outdoors and create a lifestyle for our future family and our future kids to love the outdoors. But I just love that those hunting and fishing trips really, you know, they teach you patience, hard work, perseverance, and then at the end you get those memories. And sometimes you come home empty handed and hopefully most of the times you don't, but either way, it's always a good time. Yeah, definitely. So how did your mountain lion hunt go? Mount Lion Hunt, uh, we definitely were coming back empty-handed, but we were able to see a few cats treed up, and we're just waiting on that perfect one, and unfortunately didn't get get it done that trip, but we definitely got to see some cats screaming in our face, so that was pretty fun as an adrenaline junkie for sure. Oh, I bet. I bet. That's really awesome. So as we're wrapping up here, um, I got a couple questions that I'm going to ask you and I'm going to save one for the very end. But if uh, one question, though, that I, I do have for you is for other ladies and young young ladies and even young people that are that may have stumbled upon this podcast for whatever reason or um, are listening, you know, what's some advice that you would give them for getting started in the outdoors and why? I think something that I would tell a, a new come in hunter or fisher is to really don't be afraid to jump into something new. We all start somewhere and, you know, being a fourth generation hunter doesn't mean that I was good right off the bat. You know, everybody has to learn. It doesn't matter if you have experience or not. And I think something is to get connected with somebody who does have that experience And even if it's as simple as following somebody on social media, follow me for tips and tricks. And then, you know, maybe start saving up some money to go hunt with a group of girls or fly out to Texas, come hunt and fish with my boyfriend and I. But I think to jump into it, um, really just try to get connected with people who share that same passion and then just be teachable and coachable from there. That's solid advice. I like that. So for, for my last question that I'm going to ask you here, and this is something I ask everybody and, you know, there's a lot of overlap in their answers. And then there's a lot, there's some unique answers also, but if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you hunt? I so badly want to shoot a kudu. So bad. Okay. Kudu. It's been on my list since I was 12 years old. I told Clay, maybe for our hunting moon, I could go shoot shoot a kudu 
I think that would probably be my top, you know, in Africa, of course, would be cool. But if I have to get her done in the States, I'm not going to be opposed. Okay, absolutely. So kudu, that's awesome. Now, are you a bow hunter versus rifle hunter or does that matter to you? I grew up um, starting to bow hunt. I've killed a few things with my bow, but... I don't know. It's always a tough one. I think if I was going up against a kudu, definitely would have to shoot some more arrows in the off season. Okay, fair enough. Well, we uh, we booked our first trip to South Africa for July 2024. We are excited, and actually, April's list top of her list is a kudu and uh ava's got a wildebeest zoe is like whatever i want her to shoot and she's such a sweetheart and declan whatever mommy shoots declan wants to shoot so um i guess we're gonna come home maybe with two kudu but uh no that would be that i think that's a dream hunt for a lot of people is because they're so beautiful they've got those big spiral horns and just they're a massive animal and I mean, yeah, South Africa, kudu. I love it. I love it. They're they're absolutely beautiful. I think they're just so majestic, you know, and I think that's what definitely draws me to it. I'm excited to hear y'all are headed out there not too far from now, but I'm definitely jealous. I can't wait to see April's big kudu on the wall next time. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, well, Morgan, if uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to you to follow you or ask you any types of questions, like you had mentioned, any tips or tricks for uh, uh, any advice for hunting, uh, how, how would they reach out to you? They can find me on Instagram and TikTok just under Morgan Nicole. I am a full-time Western life and style influencer as well as the outdoors. So if you ever see me in a cowboy hat or camo, it's me. Feel free to always message me, comment, anything. My direct messages are always open and I love helping out those newcomers, whether it's picking out what you're going to buy from Cabela's to go on your first hunt or some specific questions. Um, I'm always here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Morgan Nicole on Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, I've had a great time uh, sitting down and talking with you here. And I know uh, all of our listeners, they've had to find value in everything that we've talked about. And although entertaining, I think there are plenty of nuggets. And uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to this one when it comes out here. So I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. This has been uh, what a wonderful year of uh, sharing stories with you all and being a part of your all's lives just as much as y'all have been a part of ours. And so to see the podcast grow like it has, we just want to say thank you and keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.